that. But let's square our hearts and, and pray. There's other things that are visible and invisible that we need to pray for. And let's come before our Father. Dear Lord and dear Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, how we wish that every Sunday morning when we're in your home, it's a sweet reminder. It's a taste of your kingdom. It's a time and place to be intimate with you in spirit. You're so awesome, so holy, and so great. And today we want to take a time to ask us that you draw us to you. We want to take the time to declare how much we need you. To open up the areas of our life, Lord, that stop that intimacy with you, Father. To remind us of the foundation of our salvation the beauty of your forgiveness and the peace that comes from your presence. For that's what we seek, Lord. It's you and your presence and your righteousness. Lord, as you look at our souls today, if that's not a reality, we pray that you eliminate the shades and the obstacles, the valleys and the hills of our life, the scars of the past, or the thorns of the flesh in our sight today. For today, Lord, we pray in the resurrected life. Jesus rose from the grave on a Sunday, and it's in that life that we come. And we want to pray that our earthly life, it's only a faint memory. We thank you for the forgiveness we have in Jesus. We thank you for the provision that you have made for us. Lord, as a token of our thanksgiving, please receive a portion of that which you've given to us. May you be used for the expansion of your kingdom. Lord, this time we pray for your spirit to testify to us of your greatness, of your word, of such a wonderful reality that has shaken the heavens and the earth. So shake us today, Lord Jesus. Not because we're Quakers, but because your spirit is in our midst. In Jesus' name we ask, Father. Amen. 
If you're new with us, we've been reading through scriptures, and there's a Bible plan in the back. Please join us. Don't try to catch up with us. And usually on Wednesdays, um, on Sunday mornings for Sunday school, and on Sundays, we will be preaching from the previous week's reading. We're in Deuteronomy, so most of the things that you have read, actually all of the things that you have read, you have read them already because this is the second time when those things are being given to us. A generation who has been rebellious to the Lord has been has been eliminated by the by uh, the Lord, and this new generation now is sitting close to the Jordan and getting ready to enter into the promised land. Moses, who now is 120 years old, a person when he was younger said, I don't want to do this, I can't speak, I'm not an orator, I don't want to do any of those things. I don't want to be here, really, I don't want these people, please send someone else, has become an excellent orator. This is one conversation. All of the chapters in one sitting. hundred. Have you guys spoken with a person over 100 years old? Great. I uh, had the privilege of uh, pastoring a Japanese church, and a lot of the Japanese people live a little bit longer. I had an evergreen Bible study where I think there were at least three or four, over 100, and still could drive to church and... Still could be pretty lucid, you know, and uh, I don't want to bring this to you, but I remember being there, and most of them were not afraid of death. They were just saying, we wish we could die before the Lord. They're, they were afraid of dementia, Alzheimer's. They just didn't want their mind to go. I don't want to live and not recognize my family and someone turn me upside down and, you know, do all that. So they said, I want the Lord to take me before stuff like that happens. So that was the number one request once people got to a certain age within the Japanese community. Is that the Lord would actually take them before they would lose their mind. But nonetheless, we are here in Deuteronomy 4. And this is such an important passage that I couldn't get over it, um, over it. Let's go to the next slide. Because it is extremely powerful. Israel represents a physical representation of our journey to heaven. Egypt is the world. The Lord takes Israel out of the world and gets them going towards the promised land. We, as pagans, where do we get taken out of? The world. And what is our destination and our promised land? Heaven. So therefore you have this great duality that we're looking for. To, to look at this passage with a better light, there's a couple of questions in the book of Romans. Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way to begin with. The Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. 
very simple, very clear. God revealed by his choice, revealed himself in a visible way, in an audible way, and in the written way to the Jews. Unto no one else. So they they have this claim. The question is, to what advantage is that you're a Christian? What advantage do you have that you're a Christian? Okay, those are all great testimonies, and they could be all great things, but there's only one reality that will stand. Let's go back to the previous slide. What advantage has the Jew? What is the value of circumcision? Let's go move to the next slide. The Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. The Jews had the... Scroll. What was the circumcision? The sign of the covenant. So they had the word and the sign of the covenant. You ought to know if you're a Christian, you ought to know why that is an advantage that you need to tell people. Because now, the Lord has written his word on the tablets of my heart and mind. So while you guys gave me good testimonies, someone could say, I don't believe you. Or that's your your opinion. In this new covenant, God's finger... Will sear his word in your heart. Oh, you won't have to worry. I hate that I, uh, you know, don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't lie. Because there's a renewed heart. That with the Holy Spirit of God doesn't gravitate that way. But protects you from that way, fears you, and even when temptation comes, empowers you. Why are the Christians special? Because you are the anointed ones. That's what literally it means. Christ anointed one, Christians anointed ones. Now you understand why Christians are hated. 
Because today people don't understand the reality. When they say, oh, they're Christians, what do they do? They automatically elevate you and they put themselves down just by saying that word. In the ancient times, they knew that. So there was an automatic hatred when the word was even being said. Because why would they do when they claim that he's a Christian? I'm elevating him and I'm inferior. Because of this very reality. It is in this chapter 4 that the Lord will begin to challenge to which nation did God appear and do in their history as I have done? This is a challenge. I want to see now the people who are Dalai Lama or Krishna or Buddhists come out to say God challenges anyone. Hey, come out. Show me which God has done this. And because of this chapter, I have to go on a side slope. Let's move to the next verse. The Lord tells them, hey, you're going to this promised land. If you do it and you stay within the statutes and the commands I give you, you'll be well. If not, you'll be dispersed. But one day I will bring you back. And these words are prophetic and they come with continual prophecy. Jesus tells the Jews that... Their center of existence and presence of God will be destroyed. And in 70 AD, their temple is completely destroyed. And by the decree of Adrian, there's no longer Israel on the map. Now, for how long does history tell us that a people group without land can exist? Three generations. It takes three generations to assimilate in your own culture people who don't have land. In, 19, in 1894, there was a French Jew called Alfred Dreyfus. Who while being away from his own country. Was accused of stealing information and giving it to the Germans. You say well what does this have to do? Well, bear with me. History. Prophecy. So they started. They made a court. He wasn't even in the country when the intel was stolen and handed away. He was the scapegoat of something that happened. Do you know what the nation did after they incriminated him and sentenced him with, without even being present in the country when this happened? The French people got on the streets, started cursing the Jews and yelling, Death to the Jews. At that time there, seeing on the streets, there was a journalist. 
see if I can pronounce his name right. A reporter, his name was Theodore Herzl. Theodore Herzl. Who realized that there's no safety for the Jews. So he called in Geneva, Switzerland, I believe, three years later, a council of the Jews. And he is called the architect of the state of Israel today because he presented a vision of what it's called the Zionists. That they need safety and security. And therefore they began their journey back to Palestine. Do you guys know that interestingly enough, the Jews who have no country are the only country to have a deed of their country today? <coughs> they went back. They went back and they went to the Arabs and the places that were infested with malaria and the most desertous, rocky areas, they asked them, can we buy them? And the, the Arabs were like, great. Here you go, buy them. And they began to accumulate deeds. And people began to move there. <coughs> now, when a, girl, when a guy named Eleazar Benihai Huda, who you will see the street if you go there, a German guy heard about this, he moved there with 11 kids. Now, what do you think happened to all of those Jews? They were gone. The primary language was no longer the dead language of Hebrew. <coughs> so, he went there with 11 children and his wife. And he said, from today onwards, we will no longer speak German. I will only speak Hebrew to you. And you can only answer back in Hebrew. It was a miracle how within a very short period of time, this dead language spread through all the Jews that came back. Fulfilling a prophecy in Zephaniah 3.3. Now Hitler came along and he helped the situation. Sadly, you know, up to 6 million Jews were decapitated or worse things done and the UN saw fit that they do need the land and by a vote on May 14th funny thing is today is the it is the 14th today or the 15th today is the 14th wow what are the chances that Israel had become a nation can someone turn to Isaiah 66, verse 8, and read that out loud to the rest of the church? Isaiah 66, verse 8. Who has heard of such a thing? Who has seen such things? Can a land be born in one day, or a nation be delivered in an instant? Yet, as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to the son. They call themselves Zionists. Can a nation be born in one day? With God, all things are? 
Now, as we look at the prophetic, you will understand, and I'm not trying to say, Pastor, now you're, you're trying to defend pastors. I'm not trying to defend pastors. But I can see where we can fall into a gray area. How many of you have heard predictions that the Lord was going to come in 1988? Do you know that there's biblical reasons why that was said? That was not a prophetic word. For sure. The reason why it says this generation who sees the birth will not go away until, you know, at least the Lord's coming or the, what we would call, some would call being taken up into the air or being raptured will happen. The issue is within scriptures, we have three different timelines for a generation. In one area, it tells us that a generation is... Moses tells us that a generation is 40 plus 30, 70 years. In Genesis, the Lord says, you will be gone for four generations, uh, and and that's 400 years, so that's 100 years. In another place, four generations uh, is 40 years. So if we were to say, okay, 40 years, the earliest, some people said, that's when the Lord must return. So they did 1948 plus 40 years. It must be 1988. And that's why some people now looking back and knowing that 40 years didn't come, kind of began to say 2018. Because that's 70 years. And now some people are saying, I wish I am going to be alive by 2048. Because that must be it. Right? So if you go within this dispensational way of approaching uh, the Bible, you know, if you take everything as literal to the interpretations, you can come up with us. Some of them are literal, some of them are not. That's the problem. And when you get caught up in those things, it's very easy to get excited and to make predictions. But nonetheless, 1948 was when Israel became a nation. One day afterwards, what happened? The day after, five nations went to war against them. But you know what? Israel had a weapon called prayer. So they began to pray and they drove back all five nations. A nation that's been birthed for one day. Well, if you thought that was it, in 1956, the Arab forces attacked again. Do you know that in 1948, one day after, the army was 100 to 1? And they got pushed back? 100 to 1. Not much different in 1956. What about 1967, the Six-Day War? Not only did they get pushed back, they recaptured Jerusalem. And if you were alive back then and you could see on TV the Jewish people full of blood and, you know, 
dust and earth and crying. After they captured, they, they went to the city crying and storming towards the wailing wall where the temple was to go pray. They didn't enter saying, oh, it's going to be dangerous. People can still come from behind. That was their target. The place where they want to build the temple. The problem is, this is the third most important place for the Muslims as well. But anyway, now you can see that God's word is true. God has turned his face towards the Gentile. The temple was destroyed. It was the time of the Gentiles. The Gentiles began to grow. Israel came about. Now the Lord's face will begin to turn more towards the Israelites. We have record number of Jews coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So much that the uh, uh, governing authorities are afraid that if this rate continues within the next decade, there will be more Christians than any, any other religion in Israel. So they're trying to put their liberal judges in Israel, they're trying to put laws to say, if you share the gospel with an adult, you go to jail for one year. If you sell it with someone 18 and under, you go to jail for two years. Interestingly enough, they don't want to mention Christianity, but there's only one religion that's growing in Israel. Can you guess which one it is? It's not the other ones that they have no God. Zephaniah says the pure language will come back and people will start crying to the Lord. Jews are turning. One day a nation will be burned. But it all starts here when God says, tell me. He's declaring to the world, not just to the Jews, which nation, which people group. That brings me to you and I. Why are you special? Let's read. And now Israel, listen to the statutes and to the rules that I'm teaching you and do them that you may live and go into the possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take away from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I commanded you. Now, there's three areas of witness here that I want, just want to say them to you quickly before we come to an end. The emphasis is, is in three areas. The Word of God, the invisible God, and that God is the only God. Those are the three areas that, that seem to be of great importance here. I also wanted to mention something. Why do you have a 120-year-old speaking to youngsters? Notice it is not someone from their, from their parents' generation, but more of their grandparents' generation. And if you've been a youth pastor, 
Guess what? Parents age are the worst helpers. Youth take much better from people who are in college or from grandparents' age if they help with the youth group. Not from parents' age, that immediate generation. We have come to a time and place where the new generation has a hard time listening from the old generation. No, have you noticed that? It's increasingly getting worse. And this is what we have happening here. You shall not add to the word or subtract. Who adds to the world? Who has a different uh, gospel? The Mormons. There was an angel who gave a different gospel, right, to Joseph. I wish he had read the Bible. The Lord says, anyone who preaches a different gospel, whether man or angel, shall be a, a cursed. And that's what's happened. Who takes away from the word of God? We do as people. But there's also churches that take away from the word of God. Now, can you do both? How do you do both? That's harder to find in churches. How do you do both? Take away and add at the same time. There's one trick. Making up your own story. Making up your own story. Okay, but this is... In, within the relationship of God's word. How do you do that? You modify the translation. When you modify, you take away information and intent and you add your own. So you subtract and add at the same time. These people think they're smarter. And it's harder to catch. Who are they? Jehovah Witnesses, right? They were present back then, not just now. People who take away, people who add, and people who do both, they're still present in our world. But let me ask you, isn't that also present in your human nature? There's some things you like when you read in the Bible, some things you wish they were never written there. On some things, you might have a better idea of how it could have been done or said. Nonetheless, let's keep moving forward. Your eyes have seen that the, what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. What is Moses saying to the people? No promise and no warning has failed. Another says, hey, Moses saying, I'm speaking to you now. You are there. You saw with your own eyes. Whatever God promised has happened. Whatever God warned has happened. That's why I told you about the country of Israel. Over 2,000 years against what the world testifies, it has happened. It testifies to this reality of God. Maybe not how we like it, not how we have expected, now, definitely not how we predicted. But nonetheless, it has happened. And it will take place and continue to happen. But what is the Lord saying? When I speak, things are verifiable. 
That's why he says, your eyes have seen. It's not some sort of sound says, hey, the Lord came in secret. Who are those? Ang Sao movement. A fallen Seventh-day Adventist movement out of Korea. A guy who predicted twice the wrong coming of our Lord Jesus. Then the church made him the second coming of our Lord Jesus. Now they're in malls here and they try to speak to people about. They're targeting Christians. That they have new visions. And, and their own head of the church, they call him the Mother Jerusalem. From the... They're actually... I think they're doing more evangelism than Christians are in the malls. They're primarily targeting Asian people or people who have a weak scriptural background into how they approach. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. If he was speaking error, imagine who he's speaking with. One could have raised his hand, I do not care about what the Lord said, and I'm still alive. There was not even one who could do that. Out of millions. Listen to this very powerful world. Out of millions of people. It says here. But you who held fast to the Lord your God. Are all alive today. There was none who was alive. Who says I didn't hold fast. I'm still alive. There was not even one. Deuteronomy verse 6, 4, 6 says, Keep them and do them for you, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who then, who when they hear all the statutes, will say, Surely this is a great nation. It's a wise and understanding people. This word that you have received, this transformation of your life, is a witness. It's superior to any what system in the world there's no system of justice there's no institution the professors think they're wiser and smarter who have now affected churches and created and it's going to come to a clash because it is no longer this reality of the holiness and purity of god's word by the infiltration of the world that has come in. And this is what you will begin to experience. This is nonetheless the very same thing that I read fast about Balaam. What did he do? He taught Balak, he says, go send women, young women, to entice men to make them commit adultery. It's the same way we have been adulterated through our systems to bring that into the church. And now there's a clash. And this very denomination is likely going to split in June. Next month. Verse 9, 10, he says, Only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your heart. What did they see? A pillar of fire, a cloud of darkness. Don't, you know, people always say darkness is evil. No. The Lord wraps himself in utter darkness as well. 
and a voice, while they saw no shape, a voice spoke to them out of the fire. Why is it that way? You say, why is that way? It's because you and I believe in Jesus, but we, we didn't walk with him like John and Peter. But hasn't the Lord spoke to us from the cross? Hasn't he convicted us? Why are you and I special? Because to us, the, the cross and the gospel speaks. It's alive. It invaded us. It changed us. It transformed us. It gave us power over sin. It gave us new interests. That's why we're special. That's why we have a witness. That's why the other religions have nothing. Because they don't have what? The presence. The Holy Spirit. In them. The deposit. The guarantee. Of your eternal life. I'm just going to take anyone here from a Buddhist background. I'm just going to take Buddhism. You know what they do? Buddhists. They try to achieve nirvana. And they beat themselves. They don't eat meat. They starve themselves. They go through all rituals because they realize that sin is embedded in the flesh of a human being. And they're right in that respect. So that's a common point to begin to speak about the gospel with, a, with, with, with them. And they're hoping that because of the fight against their own flesh, they will get to come to a place of somewhat where they can experience peace. This is a lifelong process. How easy it is for us to speak the gospel and for them to experience the peace, the, the transforming peace when Jesus comes into our hearts. The peace that he can only bring, which they can never achieve. They try to get a taste of that and they can't achieve it out of their own work. So that's why it's been very easy or easier than other religions to minister to Buddhists. Muslims, other ones. Religion done by your own will. No, look. I was a sinner. I was a fornicator. I was this. Look what Jesus did to my life. It was then. It is now. Why? Because the cross, because of Jesus. Jesus is the biggest problem to philosophy. The biggest problem to religion. That's why when I was a coach, they told me, oh, you can't wear the name Jesus on your shirt. They said you could wear anything else except Jesus. Because religion accepts everything else except the name of Jesus. Why? 
Because just like the Jews saw the pillar, saw, heard the voice, got the paper, so you and I are called Christians. Why? Because we met Jesus. To what advantage is it that you're a Christian? To what advantage is it that you're covered by the blood of the Lamb? That you partake? What is the circumcision now? The circumcision of life. To what advantage is that you're born of the Spirit of God? Or born again? Or born from above? That's the seal of your heavenly destination. God has done it and has challenged the entire world and put it into history to mock all of the world and all of the religions and challenge all of the religions. And now he has turned to us. And we've been dying for the last 2,000 years to bring this reality to a fallen world. Why? Because our home and our place is secure. Now, if that's the reality of a Christian, think about your own life and think about the churches where you go. Is that the reality of your family? Is that the reality of your life? Is that the reality of the church where you go? I'm not going to spend much more time, but I'm going to read to you a few verses to see how powerful this is. For as now of the days that are past, which were before you since the day that God created man on earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other, what is God saying? Ask anybody on earth and ask anything or anyone in creation. One end of heaven to the other. Whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or was ever heard of. Did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and still live? Or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war? Please notice, all of those things were present as Israel became a nation again. And there's still signs and wonders and wars. They're constantly attacked. It's a way of life there for them. By the great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice that he might discipline you. 
and on earth he let you see his great fire, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. Have you heard the Lord? What is one commonplace <coughs> that we all have as Christians? The experience of the cross. But have you heard the Lord? Follow me. That ought to be an echo in your heart that gets released when you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. If you have heard the Lord say, follow me, and you truly do it, you'll get married well, you'll live well, you'll make good choices, and you'll come into the kingdom. That means your heart is in the right place. That means it is written. So those are the first two that get seared. How do they get seared? If you want to come after me, deny self, pick up your cross, and follow me. Follow me. Is there a throne of surrender in your life, in your heart, with the most intimate place, you hear the Lord's sweet voice saying, follow me. Is his word alive to you today? Or are you still here struggling with your own condition of sin? Or the things that you need or you want? Or looking for the next season? Or is it bringing peace? To you. Intimacy. Is it breaking down the barriers? Is it eliminating stuff in your life? The question is simple. As we have the worship team come up. Have you responded. To the cross of Jesus. And have you heard. The Lord say follow me. You have marriage trouble? Very easy solution. Look closely to follow me and you'll get redirected and readjusted. But we have a good way of knowing how to complicate things. We're pretty good at that. No one has to teach us. Do you think that things will fall into place as we follow Jesus? Seek ye first the and his righteousness and all other things shall be added unto you. You know what the problem is with that verse? The word first. Seek ye first. Say, so, well... I seek it, but I have this authority. I have this. But today, don't don't leave here. 
without saying, Jesus, I'm invigorated today because there's nothing sweeter than your voice that says, follow me. Do you want to be made complete? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be a witness? It is how you cherish and how you love his voice that's calling you. See, he's literally calling us. <laughs> Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that it is your voice that we still hear today. It is your word that speaks to us. And it is within the shadow of your challenge that we go out. Because you have seared, you have written your word on the tablets of our hearts and minds. Lord, what wonderful it is to have your love that you've proved on the cross and your truth seared on our hearts and minds. Lord, we thank you that you have kindly reminded us today that you are our shadow, that you are our light, that your voice continues to provide a path for us until we come home. If I ask uh, Evelyn and, and Brad to come up and, um, you know, I'll ask also uh, Eddie and um, Carol to please come up here if you have anything